0: Mark chapter 15 and Luke's gospel chapter 23. Let's go to the Lord once again to prepare our hearts in prayer. Jesus, we come before you, especially today, as we come in contact with the cross. We pray now that it would impact our lives in a way that goes so far beyond just a sermon at Easter. Lord, use today to change us forever. In Jesus' name, amen. 12.30, I got a question for you. What's your connection to the cross look like? For you, is it a story reserved for a certain time of the year at Easter where you know you're going to hear the message on the cross? reserved for that time or does it impact your life this connection with the cross each and every day of your life i want you to know the impact of the cross on one man his name was george bernard oh you know him for in 1912 he was preaching the gospel he was heckled young people just laughing at him because of the cross He was troubled by their disregard of the gospel. Because for him, he saw the Christ and the cross inseparable. So he sat down and he wrote these words. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. To the old rugged cross I will ever be true. Its shame and reproach gladly bear. Then he'll call me someday to my home far away where his glory forever I'll share. You see, George Bernard made a decision that he was going to allow his connection with the cross to change his life forever. So I'll cherish, he says, that old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling, listen to the impact, to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. And my prayer today, if you're a believer, my prayer today is that when you come in contact with the cross, something will happen and change your life forever. Because as we note today, how people came in contact with the cross, their lives were changed forever. It's Mark chapter 15. Would you take a look at verse 21? As a measure of review, then they compelled a certain man, Simon a Cyrenian, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought him, in other words, they had to lift Jesus' broken body up and put him on the cross. He was so weak. They brought him to the place Golgotha, which is translated place of a skull. Simon the Cyrenian, he came in contact with Christ at the cross. And as we studied last week, it changed his life forever. You see, he came to Jerusalem as a religious Jew, simply to celebrate the Passover as he did year after year after year. He left Jerusalem in a relationship with Jesus Christ. What happened outside of his connection and the power of the cross? Is it possible that the moment that he handed the beam over to Jesus that he realized this man was innocent and I'm the sinner and he now is taking the cross for me. What a picture of our own lives. We all deserve that death on a cross but Jesus took that beam and he died for Simon the Cyrenian and it changed his life. This moment of contact with the cross changed the course of his life forever. But it changed his family. Alexander and Rufus are mentioned as Mark writes this letter to the Roman church. But there, we studied last week, Rufus was known in the Roman church. He had come to Christ along with his mother, along with Alexander, who gave their lives to Jesus because of a connection at the cross. And that's my hope for you today. My hope for us today that as we come in connection with the cross, that your lives will be changed forever. If you're a believer, maybe today you'll be reminded to pick up your cross and follow. And if you're an unbeliever, maybe you'll realize the power of the cross can change your life as well. Mark chapter 15. Let's take a look now at verse 23. Mark chapter 15, then. They gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he did not take it. Jesus would not allow anything to numb the pain of the weight of sin. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments, casting lots for them to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above the king of the Jews. With him... They also crucified two robbers, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus was there in the center. So the scripture was fulfilled. Take a look. The scripture was fulfilled, which says, and he was numbered with the transgressors. The Roman soldiers came in contact with Christ at the cross. And it's amazing to me how the Romans thought they were in absolute control of this moment as they were crucifying him, as they were dividing his clothes. You see, it was Roman law. If you were a Roman soldier and you were crucifying someone, that you could take their clothes and that you could keep them. And clothes were not like today. Clothes of the first century were a precious commodity. You see this shirt? I put three others on before I decided to wear and iron this one. Because I've got about 10 shirts that I can look at and go, hey, I'm going to wear this one today. It wasn't like that. Now, some of you might be going, you only got 10? Let me tell you something. I'm a pastor, all right? (laughs) We got 10, all right? That's why you see the same shirt over and over again. I mark them week one, week two, week three, and then I just repeat. But it wasn't like that in the first century world. If you had one garment, that was a big deal. And that's all you wore all the time. That's why Jesus said, if you have two garments, give one away. Because the culture was not that you had a multiplicity of clothes. Do you remember the parable of the Good Samaritan? The parable of the Good Samaritan, the robbers stole the guy's clothes. They left him naked because you could make a lot of money selling clothes. Imagine if the clothes that you were selling was owned by the king of the Jews. The Romans were thinking, I want it. I want to sell it. I want to make a buck. And do you know what that means? That means that Jesus died on the cross naked. Because when Romans crucified someone, there was absolute humiliation. And I know in the picture of your cross and crucifix that you wear around your neck, listen, I know there's a loincloth, but Jesus went to the cross and he despised that shame for the joy that was set before him. The Romans, they thought they were in control of this moment as they nailed him to a cross and then pinned him up with two criminals, one on the right and one on the left. You see, three were going to die that day by the Romans, and let me tell you why. It's Passover. And all the Jews are required to come to Jerusalem. And the Romans wanted the Jews to know, if you cause an insurrection with all these Jews in Jerusalem, this will happen to you too. So they posted Jesus there on that cross. In fact, those posts were placed there many days before the Passover. And when Jesus went into Jerusalem a week before and every day went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, that's how Judas knew that he would be there. He would look at those three upright beams there at Golgotha. No wonder he he dropped sweats of blood as he was thinking about and looking to what he was about to face. They thought they were in such control. They thought they had so much power. This third upright beam that Jesus was looking at, it was meant for Barabbas. The Romans were going to kill Barabbas. But imagine Barabbas' life was spared and Jesus was crucified. That's the power of the cross. Your life can be spared from death because Jesus paid the price of our sin. The power of the cross. Mark... But what amazes me is the Romans thought they were doing this whole thing. In the midst of all this chaos at the cross, God was in absolute control. God was in control. Let me prove it to you. It's Psalm chapter 22, verse 18. You'll see it on the screen. They divide my garments. Now remember, this was written hundreds of years before this moment. Psalm twenty-two, eighteen: they divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. God had already prophesied that they were going to do this. Isaiah chapter 53, hundreds of years before this moment. Isaiah 53, verse 12, therefore, I'll divide them a portion, speaking of Jesus, with the great... He shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, one on his right, one on his left. And he bore the sin of many and made intercession. He prayed for the transgressors, the sinners. Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Even more so. Look at Mark chapter 15, verse 29. All of the details were prophesied, and those who passed by blaspheme him, wagging their heads. Even that was prophesied. In Psalm 109, verse 25, look what the psalmist wrote. I also have become a reproach to them, speaking of Jesus. When they look at me, they shake their heads. They wag their heads. The prophetic fulfillment of these scriptures make it absolutely clear the Romans are not in control. God was in control. Christian, listen to the power of the cross. Listen, Christian. Don't allow the chaos of the cross that you're bearing right now convince you that the enemy is winning. Don't allow the chaos of the cross that you're bearing right now to convince you the enemy is winning. What the enemy intends for evil, God intends for good. Remember the promise of God. In Romans chapter 8, verse 28, he says this, And all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his promise. That's the power of the cross. Mark chapter 15, would you look at verse 29? And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself, come down from the cross. Those who passed by came in contact with Christ at the cross. Let me tell you something about Roman crosses. Roman crosses were placed on major thoroughfares to give utmost exposure. It'd be like putting one at the 405 and the 110. Right there in the center on a hill for everyone to see as your car passed by. Because Romans ruled with fear and Romans ruled with intimidation. And let me remind you, it's 9 a.m., And Jesus is already hanging on that tree. The Jews have done their dastardly deed and they found him guilty of Jewish treason. They took him to Pilate and they trumped up false charges and they said, He is going to blow up the temple. He's going to destroy the temple, our national monument. This was against the law in the Roman world, in the same way if you decided to blow up a national monument here in the United States of America. Founding guilty on this rumor, now there he is hanging on a tree. The rumor mill of the minority had now spread to the majority. Because let me tell you something about rumors Rumors are the oldest form of social media. They spread like wildfire. That's why, church, we don't involve ourselves with slander and gossip. You'll never know who you're crucifying falsely. So here, Jesus is hanging on the tree, and the minority rumor has spread to the majority. And now the majority are agreeing with the crowd, agreeing with the minority that said he was going to blow up the temple. He's guilty. I mean, he's got to be guilty. Every, I mean, come on, there he is, hanging on the cross. He's been found guilty. He must be guilty. And I wonder if you've made this mistake. Has the sentiment of the world's majority swayed your opinion of the cross? as a sentiment of the world's majority. Have you decided to believe the majority instead of the one true God? And I want to remind you of something. Just because the majority of the world feels a certain way of the cross, about the cross, doesn't make them right. It doesn't make them right. And I would advise you, listen 1230, I would advise you to put your hope in the one true God than the majority of the world because the power of the cross is greater than the majority. It's greater than the majority. Mark chapter 15, verse 31. Likewise, the chief priest also. They left downtown Jerusalem. They came out to the cross and look, mocking among themselves with the scribes, they said, now they're talking amongst each other. Not to Jesus. He saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Let me tell you who else came in contact with the cross. The religious leaders came in contact with Christ at the cross. And they mocked him amongst themselves. They weren't talking to Jesus. Oh, he could hear But they mocked him amongst themselves with a false theology. And here it was. He can't save himself. (laughs) Oh, yes, he can. He's just choosing not to. They thought they were so right as they talked amongst themselves, yet for their very sake, he would stay on that cross so that he could save even them from their sin. Do you know that in Acts chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says that many priests came to the Lord. Those that were there at the foot of the cross mocking him, they later repented and realized their false theology because I need to let you know something. The penalty of sin is death according to God. The penalty of sin is death. And the only way to God is perfection. Now, how many of you have been perfect just this morning? My point, at the 8.30 service, this nine-year-old girl raised her hand. So sweet. They were sitting in the back, and the mom looked at the girl and goes, girl, put your hand down. It was classic, because no one is perfect, but perfection is what God requires. So what Jesus did was live a perfect life, and then he paid the price of your sin by dying on the cross. They had a false theology. And it amazes me today the false theology that exists within Christian dumb. And I emphasize the last syllable, dumb. Can you imagine Jesus on the cross? Oh, you think <laughs> your theology is right? Well, I'm going to come down, zappy, and I'm going to get back on this cross. No, no, no. He didn't do that. His love held him on the cross for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. His love for you, his love for me, his love for them is what held him on the cross. And they thought their theology was so right. I see it all the time in today's world. Seeming, theolog- th- seeming theologians... Talking amongst themselves instead of going to the word of God to get Jesus' opinion on how to handle issues in the 21st century world. And just like the religious, religious leaders of Jesus' day, they're making false declarations about Christ and the way to heaven. Oh, there's many roads that get to God when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. There's no other way to get to the Father except through me. Let me show you something. In the Word of God, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Take a look. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not, let me tell you about the Bible, the Bible does not struggle with clarity, will not inherit the kingdom of God. And here's what the Word is saying. There's no other way to get to God except through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now, take a look at this. Do not be deceived. Uh Uh-oh, false theologians preaching to us something that's not true. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, that's premarital sex, nor idolaters. You're putting something in front of God. Nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God, and such were some of you. Now, stop there for a moment. How many of you looking at this list go, Oh my goodness, I was some of that? Go ahead, raise your hand. Let's see. Anybody? (laughs) I was some of that. I was some of that. Okay. Listen, if you didn't raise your hand, this is only one list. There's a whole bunch of sins (laughs) lifted in the New New Testament, okay? Paul was just pulling sins out of a hat, okay? He was just letting us know these sins are important, but there's other lists of sins in the Bible. So listen, now, okay, how many of you are still doing that? Don't raise your hand. Because I need you to see something. And such were some of you. You're no longer like that. Because something happened. And take a look what happened. Say with me, but you were washed. But you were sanctified. But you were just, look, not in the name of Buddha, not in the name of Muhammad. In the name of the Lord Jesus and by the spirit of our God. So let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens. When you received Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, you became born again, born in the spirit. You no longer desire the things of the world. Now listen, you may mess up every once in a while, so God provides a way back that if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us. However, it's not your desire to be those things anymore. You're convicted when you do those things because you're born of God's spirit. That's the power of the cross. We are called to be different, washed clean from the way of the world, different from the world. We don't try to find a theology so that it fits the 21st century. We let the Bible affect the 21st century and we choose to be different. Church, someone else came in contact with the cross. Take a look at Mark chapter 15, verse 32 again even those who were crucified with him reviled him. The reviling robbers came in contact with Christ at the cross. I need you to see this. Mark makes it clear that both thieves reviled the Lord. And you need to understand what this word reviled means. It means they were defaming him publicly. They were cursing at him using abusive words. Take a look again. Even those, plural, were crucified. But Luke fills us in to something that Mark doesn't tell us. I ask you to keep your finger there. Go there with me. Luke chapter 23. Now I need to let you know something as you're turning there, something that Matthew tells us. Matthew tells us that both Thieves spit on Jesus. Keep that in your mind. And I want you to see the power of the cross. Verse 39, Luke chapter 23. Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other. Answering rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God? seeing you are under the same condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. Listen to his confession. He says, we're guilty. I'm a sinner. But this man has done nothing wrong. Listen to his acclamation of Christ. He's innocent. He's dying an innocent man. Now listen to his request. Then he said to Jesus, this is the sinner's prayer. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Something about Jesus had convinced this man after he cursed at him and spit on him. Something about Jesus Convince this man that Jesus was the Son of God. Now listen, I'm on the cross. I got your spit dribbling down my face. And you look at me and you say, Remember me. I'm like, dude, do you see my face? Like your spit is just dripping down my face. Not Jesus. In Luke chapter 23, would you look at verse 43? So Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You see, when he came in contact with Christ at the cross, he found redemption for his reviling. And I'm wondering if this can be any one of you that is sitting here today. You've been dragged here to church by your mom, and your mom said, if you come to church, you don't have to pay rent this month. So you came You have rejected the cross. You've even reviled the Lord only to come in contact with the power of the cross today. And if you choose, no matter what you've done, even if you've spit on Jesus, even if you've spit on him, if you choose to do as this man, you will run right into the mercy of God and you'll hear Jesus say, today you're with me. Today you're with me. That's the power of the cross take a look it's mark chapter 15 now verse 33 go back there with me if you would mark's gospel chapter 15 verse 33 now when the sixth hour had come there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour three hours of darkness and at the ninth hour jesus cried out with a loud voice now imagine he's on the cross for three hours having been beaten before and when he says cry out, this wasn't like, Eloi, Eloi, lama Sabactani. No, 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 no. you got to stop for just a minute because the Bible says when he was on the cross, you couldn't even tell he was a man. So there he was. Eloi. Eloi. Lama Sabactani. Which is translated. Now remember, Mark is writing the Romans. So he's letting them know what this means. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of those who stood by when they heard that, they said, Look, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran and filled a sponge filled with sour wine, put it on a reed and offered it to him to drink, saying, Let him alone. Let's see if Elijah will come and take him down. Jesus cried out with a loud voice and breathed his last Then the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. So when the centurion who stood opposite him, he's standing right in front of the cross, he's watching everything, saw that he cried out like this and breathed his last, he said, and maybe you'll underline this, truly this man was the son of God. Let me tell you who else came in contact with Jesus that day. A Roman soldier came in contact with Christ at the cross. Bible says it's 3 p.m. And that's a very important time. It's 3 p.m. Because this is the Passover day. And at 3 p.m. In the te- on Temple Mount, the Passover, the unblemished Passover lamb is killed to atone for the sins of the people. It's Passover. And at 3 o'clock, according to the book of Exodus, that lamb is to die to atone for the sins of the people. It's 3 o'clock, and that's happening. It's 3 o'clock, and this moment is the cup that the Lord grieved over in the garden as he was looking at the three upright beams there in the garden of Gethsemane. He grieved the moment that the sins of the world would be placed upon him And he would be separated from his father, just as John the Baptist said in John chapter 1, verse 29, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus was taking on the sins of the world to take away the sins of the world, to open up an opportunity for us to have a relationship with God. Well, Not fully understanding the words of our Savior, And we got to imagine, he's in excruciating pain. He's exhausted. He's at the brink of death's door. He cries out, Eli! When a person heard it, they mistook what he said, and they thought he was calling on Elijah. Now, I need to help you understand something. In the first century world, there was a common belief of the day that if you were innocent... And you called out to Elijah that Elijah would come and deliver you, the righteous sufferer. As soon as this person heard him say, or thought heard him say, Elijah, he went and he took some wine and and he put it to his mouth. Even this was prophesied by the Lord. It's Psalm chapter 69. You'll see it on the screen. Verse 21 Speaking of Jesus, they also gave me gall for my food. In other words, they made fun of me, thinking it would sustain me. And for my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Let me tell you something. Every morning, I take a tablespoon of olive oil, and I swallow it. I take a tablespoon of lemon juice, and I swallow it. And I take a tablespoon of apple cider vinegar, and I swallow it. Do you know what I have to do to prep myself to take that apple cider vinegar? I tell myself, you can do it. I put it in my mouth, and as soon as I put it in my mouth, my whole body goes, (laughs) like this. And then it's in my mouth, and I've got to make the decision to swallow. And when I swallow, my whole body goes, it just jolts. And then when it hits my stomach, my stomach goes, what have you done to us? And it goes like this. Let me tell you what this man was doing. When he lifted up this apple cider vinegar to Jesus, he was trying to give Jesus a jolt. Stay alive a little bit longer. We want to see if Elijah will come and get you. But it's 3 p.m. And Jesus would not be jolted to stay alive past the moment that he was called to die. Because no one would keep his life and no one would take his life. He said this. In John chapter 10, the Bible says this. He's speaking, no one takes it from me. Speaking of his life, I lay it down on myself. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. This command I've received from my father. My dad told me I got the power to do it and my dad told me I got the power to raise up again. My dad is the one that I'm following direction on, not you or your vinegar. And the Bible says at this moment, Jesus said, it is finished, and he gave up his spirits. You see, at this moment, when the Lord died and gave up his spirit because he gave up his life, the veil inside the temple was ripped from top to bottom. You know what God was doing? He was letting everybody know, okay, this is the beginning of the new covenant. Because of the blood of Jesus, we can now have a relationship with God. That's what God was telling the world. He was letting everybody know there is nothing blocking you any longer. You can have a relationship with the cross, with God. That's the power of the cross. To prove it, this moment would profoundly impact one man Standing at the foot of the cross, he was a Roman soldier. A Roman soldier who was part of the garrison that mocked the Lord prior to this crucifixion. Do you remember last week? One of the soldiers called the whole garrison over. Passover is a stressful time, and they wanted a little Jesus entertainment. Hey, bring all the Romans. Let's watch Jesus get beat. Beat him again. (laughs) Put a purple robe on him now. Beat him again. (laughs) Put a crown on his head. Beat him again. That Roman soldier was there. That Roman soldier at the foot of the cross would have been the one that put the nails in his hand and his feet. That's the Roman soldier we're talking about. That Roman soldier would have felt the darkness that went From 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock. That Roman soldier, the earthquake shook him. But the Lord Jesus rocked him. And when Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, something about the loving character of Jesus rocked him. Because his contact with Christ at the cross caused him to confess the truth that Jesus is the Son of God. And I wonder, can the power of the cross do that for you today? Take a look. Go back with me to Mark's Gospel, chapter 15, verse 40. There were also women. I have found that it's only ladies that show up to the prayer meetings. (laughs) And note the little rumble. The ladies are laughing, but not too loud because their husband is sitting next to them. It's amazing to me the spirituality of the women in our church. There were also women looking on from afar, among whom were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, the lesson of Joseph, and Salome, who also followed him and ministered to him when he was in Galilee, and many other women who came up with him to Jerusalem. They followed and they ministered. Let me tell you about these women. The women came in contact with Christ at the cross, They came in contact with Christ at the cross because they made a decision to follow Christ in life and death. They made a decision in the good times. there in Galilee when he's walking on water, feeding the 5,000. They were going to follow him. But they'd also made the decision, we're going to follow you in the bad times. We're going to be loyal to follow you. And though there is pain in the follow, they trusted the power of the cross. Believer, listen, are you able to be just as loyal and carry your own cross, whether it's good or bad? Can you choose to stand as a follower outnumbered by the majority of the world around you, just like these women? Can you pick up your cross and follow the Lord in your marriage, in your workplace, at school? No matter where you are, are you able, whether you feel it or not, to pick up your cross and follow? But not only did these women follow in good or bad, they ministered to him. They ministered to the body of Christ. Now, this word minister, it's the word where we get our word deacon, diakonos. These ladies were deacons. Oh, not title. They were servants. They served the body of Christ in life and in death. For only three days later, these women would be the ones to go to spice the body of Jesus Christ, though he was not there in the tomb. These ladies, who their response to the cross was to care for the body. And I'm wondering, church, are you able to do the same And today as you come in contact with the cross, can you serve the body of Christ whether you feel like you want to or not? Can you let these ladies set an example for you when you come in contact with the cross that you become a servant to the body of Christ? Finally, there's one. One more who came in contact with Christ at the cross in John, Mark chapter four, 15, verse 42. Now, when evening had come, because it was preparation day, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a prominent council member, so he's in the Sanhedrin, who was himself important, waiting for the kingdom of God, coming and taking courage, went into Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Pilate marveled that he was already dead. Summoning the centurion, he asked him if you had been dead for some time. So when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph. Pilate was shocked because it usually took someone three days to die on a cross. He couldn't believe that Jesus was dead in three hours. And usually what they would do at the end of three days, if you weren't dead, they would break your legs so that you couldn't lift up anymore to take a breath. The pain was excruciating. But Pilate sent a message And when the message got there, the Roman soldier took his spear and pierced the Lord Jesus Christ to discover he truly was dead and sent a message back. And so Pilate, look at the Bible, says there in Mark chapter 14, of what so when he found out from the centurion, he granted the body to Joseph, verse 46 of Mark 15. Then he bought fine linen, took him down. And let me say this was very public. And he wrapped him in the linen. And he laid him in a tomb which had been hewn out of the rock and rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. It was a new tomb. And Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, observed where he was laid. And this was Mark's way of saying, I got two witnesses, two witnesses that will say Jesus was dead and Jesus went in that tomb. You see, Joseph of Arimathea, he came in contact with Christ at the cross. I want to fill you in a little bit more on Joseph. It comes from John's gospel. John chapter 19, verse 38. The Bible says, after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly, he was a closet Christian, didn't want anyone to know. For fear of the Jews, he was a fraidy cat. I don't want anyone to know I'm a Christian. He asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus and Pilate gave him permission, so he came and took the body of Jesus. Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin, but he followed Jesus. but he didn't want anyone to know. He was afraid of what it might cost him. Couldn't tell anybody at work. Couldn't tell anybody uh, in his group. Didn't want his friends to know. But he followed Jesus. Yet something happened to Joseph when he met Christ at the cross. In Mark chapter 15, verse 43, the Bible says he took courage. He took courage because he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Now, we need to remember something Mark is not writing as the events are happening. Mark has written this years after the resurrection. And Mark is filling us in with something about Joseph to help us understand what happened at the cross. When Mark is telling us that he was waiting for the kingdom of God, he was letting us know that Joseph of Arimathea came to the point at the cross where he believed everything that Jesus said. He was a disciple. He was just a closet Christian. But when he came in contact with the cross... You see, Jesus had already told them, I'm going to Jerusalem. Check. He went to Jerusalem. And when I go there, the Sanhedrin's going to try me and find me guilty. They did it. And then they're going to hand me over to Pilate. Ah, they did that too. And then they're going to crucify me. No one ever would have thought that this good man would be crucified. But there is Joseph of Arimathea watching everything that Jesus said come to pass. So let me tell you about Joseph of Arimathea. When Jesus said, they'll hand me over to Pilate and I will die, but I will rise again Joseph believed in the resurrection. He believed in the coming of the kingdom of God. That's why he put him in a new tomb, because he didn't want any smelly business when Jesus was coming out on the third day, just like he promised. And let me tell you something, that's the power of the cross. When Joseph came in contact with the cross, he came out of the closet as a Christian and took down Jesus publicly from the cross. Do you know what this cost him? This cost him his power. This cost him his prominence. This cost him his pocket. Because no Jew would ever do business with Joseph of Arimathea again. As he publicly made a statement of faith. This would cost him everything. But his faith gave him courage in a culture that rejected Christ because of the power of the cross. And I'm wondering, believer, will your contact with the cross today give you the courage to stand just like Joseph of Arimathea? Our Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, amazed by the power of the cross. And Lord, I come before you now and I ask that your spirit would move Jesus' name, Amen. Church, could you allow this to be a holy moment as God's Spirit is moving in this place? Because I believe, speaking to the believer, that some of you might be Joseph of Arimathea. You're in the closet because you're afraid of the of the world. What will they think? Joseph came in contact with the cross. And something happened. He took courage. It's the power of the cross. He realized that everything that Jesus said was true. Do you not see what's happening in the Middle East? This is why the Bible says to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is why the Bible tells you, look at Israel. It's the time clock for the end of the world. And we're seeing it happen today. All you got to do is read the Bible to see what's going on today. And we need to pray because there's people, innocent people, dying on both sides. But everything that God said would come to pass did. And when Joseph of Arimathea realized that Jesus was right and the majority was wrong, he comes out of the closet and he says, I'm a Christian. And I'm identifying myself with Jesus. And I'm taking courage because of the power of the cross. I came in contact with the cross. And today, my life's going to be different for the rest of my life. Just like it was, listen, for unbelieving Simon. Simon came in contact with the cross as well. And he wasn't a disciple. He was not a believer. But when he came in contact with the cross... His life and his whole family's life was changed. We did a baptism. Eighty-one people got baptized. And there was a family that was in the water. And you know what happened in their life over the last few months? They came to Christ. Mom, dad, kids, they came to Christ. And now their whole life is changed. Whole life. And God wants to do the same for you you said well i don't think god would have me i'd spit on him ask the thief on the cross when you get to heaven he did too because jesus doesn't care what you've done he just cares that you come that's why he died so today why not be a joseph of arimathea and publicly say i've come in contact with the cross And I'm going to choose to live in the power of the cross. Believer, that's your call. Just like Joseph of Arimathea, a public decision. But listen, if you don't know Christ, even you were dragged here, even you reviled him. Listen, crew, listen. Jesus says, all you have to do is come. And as you come, you will run right into my mercy. And I will say to you, you are with me. God's not against us. He's for us. That's why his name is Emmanuel, God with us. Thanks for listening, and we hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you have any questions or just want to check us out, make sure to visit us at ccsouthbay.org. God bless you guys, and we'll see you next week.